CTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. For grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland. Turn the world round, shut the show down. I miss the Alright, welcome along to the RT Soccer Women's World Cup podcast, Raf Giallo here, and just three days to go to the start of the tournament and Ireland's opening game against Australia. That fixture at Stadium Australia in Sydney will be live on RT2 and RT Player with coverage underway from 10.30am straight off the back of the 8am kickoff between the other co-hosts, New Zealand and Norway. But Ireland were dealt a scare on Friday when Denise Sullivan, one of the key stars of the team and a major contributor to qualification, was on the end of a late challenge against Colombia in the final warm-up game near Brisbane, one that bookended the abandonment of the match after uh, 20 minutes. And to discuss that and more, I'm joined by Ireland International Megan Campbell and RT Sport Online's Anthony Pine, who is in Brisbane at the moment. And Megan, I suppose, maybe start off just on your overall reaction when you first heard about the, I suppose, what happened in the Columbia game and then specifically uh, with Denise, because I suppose information sort of has dripped, dripped in the last, uh, in the first few hours and then obviously in the last couple of days as well. Yeah, I think my immediate reaction was worry for Denise and, and her well-being. Um, I dropped her a message straight away as soon as I heard the news of it. Obviously, I'm hearing everything as you are hearing it. So um, as soon as I heard that information coming through, I messaged her just to, to let her know that I was thinking of her and hopefully it was nothing serious. Um, but for the Ireland camp as a whole, obviously, to lose someone or to possibly lose someone such as Denise O'Sullivan, it was an unbelievable player for one, but two, just the the knit in the in the team, you know, and I would say probably one of the best players that we have in, in our national team ever. Um, you know, she she would be a big loss if we if we missed out on her playing. Yeah, and Anthony, before I get your um, I suppose the breakdown of how everything unfolded in terms of the match itself, and then to the point where we are now, where it is there is a little bit of encouragement in terms of Denise Sullivan's possible availability for that opening game. Let's listen to Vera Pau, who was speaking to Tony O'Donoghue on Saturday, just about the circumstances around it. Talk to me about last night. I mean, for a game to be abandoned is extraordinary. Um, describe for me how the how the game went and what brought you to that decision. <laughs> um, well. It's for, for me also the first time in, I'm now in football for 47 years and it's the first time that I experienced this. Um, we the, the game actually started um, lively. Um, we had a chance. Louise had a, a, a good header just off the post. Uh, Courtney Brosnan made a fantastic one-on-one save. Um, they were powerful. Uh, we were lively. We were we, we were sharp. It was actually starting off quite well, the game. Um, but it built it up into a situation that um, it became dangerous. There was first um, on the side, on the other side, there were some moments. Then there was um, a moment that uh, Russia got um, a tackle in which she could have potentially got very, very injured. Um, then there was a lot of things about it around it. It took a few minutes for the game uh, to, to start again and then within two minutes there was this tackle on the knees which can I say not within the loss of the game. <laughs> Let's say it like that. Um, and that's um, yeah that, that brought an, an atmosphere that I saw that it there was 
hardly a way that it could get right um, again in that game. So, surely wasn't did, wasn't it up to the referee at that point to take control of the game? Yes, um, yes. But y y if you, if I can picture it, there was a player in very much pain on the on the pitch. Uh, players around who were extremely upset. Um, so I went calm to, to uh, their coach um, because I wanted to see if we could calm things down together. Um, he came up uh, but sat down again. I, I must say their bench was calm also. Um, then um, their um, team manager uh, came, came to me, um, spoke only one sentence. Um, but also calm. I was calm, so I, took, I decided to take the players away. And um, the players um, felt that they were in big, big danger here. And I have um, said that I would support them in, in that fact. So I called um, the management of uh, the FAI to have a calm discussion. Then we had a discussion with the referees. Um, there was contact with Dublin <laughs> and um, collectively we decided that there was no other way than to ask the referee to stop the game. And the referee uh, agreed, uh, she stopped the game um, and the, um, I think the, um, the statement of Colombian FA says that they, re well, they respected our decision. Um, they did not. Um, they, they did not try to convince us or anything. So the one sense with the coach, one sense with the team manager uh, was there, and I think that um, that says that, that there was unfortunately no no other way to protect the players. I've said before, whatever happens, I always protect players. Uh, I've done that my whole career, uh, to the extent that it hurts myself. Um, and that was now the, the decision also. I, I did not think about anything else than protecting the players because um, after the build-up in the game and the way it went in the game, and I'm not going into details uh, further than what I just said, um, is that um, it wouldn't get right. It wouldn't get right anymore. All right, so that is Ireland manager Vera Pau speaking to Tony O'Donoghue on Saturday about what happened on Friday and Anthony you know this was supposed to be a warm-up to prepare for the Australia game and generally look friendlies like that they usually pass without incident but clearly um things and you can look through maybe the couple of yellow cards that were given to Colombia players earlier on and then the the obviously the last tackle as well things degenerated quite quickly and not just within the game itself but also a lot of things were said after as well Okay, so the first thing, and, and Megan touching at, at the top of the podcast, is that, and this is the most important thing out of this whole situation, was um, we hope that Denise O'Sullivan recovers. She she suffered a bad injury. That is really the only important thing out of all of this. Like, everything else is just this became a bit of a, a, a circus and a distraction. Um, I mean, just to give a brief timeline on all of this, this game on Friday, it wasn't even an official friendly. It was, it was a behind-closed-doors game. Um, in Meakin Park, which is like a you know it's not it's not a stadium it's not great it's just a, a sort of training area it's actually where Ireland have trained uh, all week, um 
We, as in the traveling media, were initially told that we couldn't attend the game because uh, Colombia had an issue with it. They were a little bit afraid of tactics getting leaked, etc. Then there was a sort of agreement where uh, we could attend it, but just not report on it, just observe, just to watch the game, basically. So we traveled out to it. It was about 30 minutes from, from central Brisbane, where a lot of the journalists are staying. Uh, when we got there, we, we weren't allowed in. So we didn't actually see this game. And nobody has seen the full 20 minutes that were actually played. What we have seen is the tackle on Denise O'Sullivan, which was sort of uh, released by Colombian media media on Sunday. Um, that came after Vera Pell's comments on Saturday around you know, the behaviour of the Colombian players. There was also an FAI statement that said that the match was abandoned because of the, the, their over-physical uh, approach. And they dispute that. There was one of their players that was filmed speaking to their fans outside the ground. She said some sort of disparaging things about the, the Irish players. And so it became this sort of back and forth drama. Um, you know, the, the, the tackle on the knees was, I mean, it is important to know that, like, whatever people think about it, because there was a lot of, once that goes on social media, as we all know, it's, it's a bit of a wild west, Raph. Everybody weighs in and, and, and people sort of suggest. Oh, well, you know, why did they walk off over this? Well, it wasn't just that. I mean, what we're told is that there were a number of tackles. And I think, like, Vera Powell is the manager six days out from a World Cup. She's fully entitled. If she believes any of those players are in danger of picking up another injury that will cost them playing at this tournament, then she's absolutely within her rights to pull them off the pitch. Um, but, you know, without seeing the full 20 minutes, uh, you know, it's hard to know for sure like we can only go on what we're told from her obviously Colombia might dispute that but anyway regardless of all that really the only thing that matters at this point is that you know one of our best players along with Katie McCabe uh, is you know she might miss that first game now she did return to training today but very very light training mainly just stretching a little bit of jogging uh, we went out and had a look at that earlier on Um, we spoke to Vera Powell um, as well this morning she said the medical team are, are hopeful, really hopeful is, is exactly what she said, and, and that she could make it. It's not a fracture. She she went for a scan immediately afterwards. It's not a fracture or anything like that. It's soft tissue damage and bruising around the bone, which is painful, um, but obviously not as bad as a break. Um, so she has a chance, but it's not a certainty. It's not a certainty. And, and Vera Pell said as much. She says, look, we still don't know. We have to see how it reacts over the next, I guess, you know, 24, 48 hours. Uh, and we keep our fingers crossed. But within all of this, you know, who had back and forth uh, at the end of the day, like that, that game is in the rearview mirror now. It's all about Thursday. And we just hope that Denise O'Sullivan recovers sufficiently to take her place in the middle of the park, give her the best possible chance to get a result against a very, very good side, a really good side. Because at the same time, all this was going on uh, in Brisbane last Friday night, uh, Australia were playing France in a, a really high-quality game. I mean, for anybody who saw that match, it looked like a knockout game. It, it, could have, it looked like a, a game in the World Cup knockout stages, real intensity and pace about it, and, and Australia were, were very impressive. You know, they really were. So this is a, a mammoth task for Ireland, a mammoth task. Uh, and they're going to need Denise O'Sullivan. They're, they really are going to need her. Um, and let's hope that she, she recovers in time. But we, we still don't know. Yeah, and Megan, I suppose from your own experience of playing as well, in terms of overcoming the pain barrier after a knock or a, a challenge like that and how much time it takes to recover, and I guess every injury is going to be slightly different, but um, you know, what is the challenge for Denise there, especially when it comes to the pain side of it? Yeah, naturally there will be pain probably through her leg where she, she had the contact, but 
I know Denise O'Sullivan years and, and she's a tough she's a tough nut and I don't think anything will keep her off that pitch come Thursday night and obviously they have to be wary and say that you know there's not a certainty about her her playing and stuff but if I know Denise O'Sullivan it would be that she'd she'd definitely be on the field on, on Thursday and, and as myself and, and all the rest of the Irish fans watching on we're all praying that that's the that's the case. And if 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 for you know if the recovery doesn't happen in time and maybe she's not available for the first game but maybe the second and third, um, how do you think Vera Pau will you know um she'll convene that squad in terms of who comes into midfield or will it be someone like Megan Connolly who will be kind of moved out of the back three and moved forward or how do you think that will be uh how how do you think things will be shifted around I guess. Yeah, there could be a lot of rotation. Um, obviously, like you in a, said, that Meg Conley can play defensive backline, obviously, but then through the middle as well, we've got a lot of forward players who can play multiple positions and formations can vary as well to, you know, uh, fit in players. So I don't see it being an issue for us as a as a team. I think we've got a lot of depth within our squad, a lot of variation within um, our positions on the field and formation. So um, I think we'll be, we'll be good regardless, but obviously we'll be even better when Denise is on the field. Yeah, and Anthony, I know you were at uh, training this morning and we'll talk about the Australia side as well, but uh, outside of the situation with Denise O'Sullivan, what's the, what are the other talking points at the moment? Everybody's good. Everybody's good, Raph. I mean, uh, the other player that was referenced from last Friday um, was Rusha Littlejohn. Uh, Virapau did tell us that she was on the end of a heavy tackle, but uh, she's, she was, she's fine. Um, you know, as I said, we, we only saw the start of training like for sort of 10 or 15 minutes today. So we didn't, we weren't able to stick around to, to see um, the real intense heavy duty stuff, but everybody's in good spirits. You know, they've been walking around uh, Brisbane here, getting coffees, killing time. They were able to, to see some koalas yesterday. I think they went to an animal sanctuary and um, they're all just really relaxed and, and excited, you know, because this is the biggest game of their careers, the biggest game in the history of Irish women's football. Um, 83,500 people in Sydney. You know, that it, it's like, I wouldn't say there's World Cup fever in Brisbane right now, Raf, but I think when we get to Sydney, um, you'll really start to feel it, like because the diaspora there and, and a lot of fans travelling in. There's 4,000 fans travelling over here for this tournament. And that's, you know, obviously there's a huge Irish community in all these cities, but particularly Sydney. Um, sell out, massive game. And I think they're all just, they're all just can't, can't wait to get out and actually get this World Cup started, you know, get down to the business end of things. Yeah, and um, just in terms of Australia, Megan, and what they bring to the table, obviously they'll have the advantage and also the pressure at the same time of being one of the co-hosts. And they're in reasonable form heading into the tournament. I mean, on the on the day that Ireland were playing Colombia, they were um, beating France in their own you know final warm up game, and it's what is it now nine wins in ten since October twenty twenty two, and along the way beating England, Spain, and Sweden. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of focus on Sam Kerr. So I suppose just how daunting a task is it for Ireland when you look at what Australia has to offer yeah definitely I think they're going to be a team that probably seen probably people wouldn't look to them and say okay you're like not a favorite but you're one of the teams that could be in contention to win the World Cup but I think being on home soil obviously having the home crowd behind you and it being such a massive occasion for them as a national team to be able to play in front of their home fans for the first time um in such a major competition I know from watching I've watched their documentary on the progress leading into the World Cup and they're all, you know, wanting to bring the trophy back to win a trophy on home soil. So, you know, that in itself is obviously a positive thing for them, but then it can also go the other way and be 
you know, quite a distraction because you can get caught up in the moment. I mean, we've seen England in the in the home Euros. I think they didn't have their best game in their opening game. So you never know actually how, how teams will play out, especially with the stress and the anxiety of playing in front of your home fans. But as Ireland, we've got nothing to lose. And, you know, I, I know all the girls are relishing the opportunity to come, come out and play. And I know there's a lot of uh, Irish fans down there like we've just uh, alluded to. But I think people are saying, oh, you'll, it'll be hard to see all the Irish fans probably within within the crowd. But in my opinion, I think they'll be nearly 50-50. And there's a lot of Irish who have emigrated out and they're living down under. So it's going to be an amazing occasion and, and a great opportunity for the, for the girls to be able to play on a massive stage and, and perform to their the, the best of their abilities and on the biggest stage. Yes, people can say there's pressure probably for Ireland women being in their first tournament, et cetera, et cetera. You're playing against the host, but the pressure's on Australia ultimately. And, and the girls can go out and play with freedom and, um, just enjoy the occasion overall and I know what everyone's family and stuff will be traveling down and my mum and dad is still flying out as well to support the team and I've got the family down there so I mean there's the amount of people that are there supporting the girls uh, it's going to be an amazing occasion and hopefully if we can keep Sam Kerr, the, Mary Fowler obviously dual nationality and uh, with Ireland uh, if we can keep her quiet Caitlin Ford as well you know they have some big massive players but so do we um, so yeah I'm not worried and I think it'll be a great game to open the tournament. Yeah, and like you, you referenced Sam Kerr there. Obviously, she's a she's a superstar, both at club level, everything she's she's achieved. But I suppose the spotlight, even I, I suppose in comparison, even to some of the New Zealand players and uh, the other Australian players, the spotlight. She's sort of like the symbolic player in this tournament. So there's a huge amount of pressure on her as well. Obviously, she's delivered at the last World Cup. I think she scored something like five goals in that one. But um, as you said, um, you know, while she'll be a major threat to Ireland as well she'll probably be feeling a little bit of pressure too. Yeah, big players want to play in big tournaments and they turn up in big tournaments and the pressure will be on her and everybody will be watching her to, to be providing the goals for Australia, but also to bring them further in the competition. But uh, I'm hoping and I have no doubt that the girls uh, on the night on Thursday, well, it'll be afternoon over here, but um, we'll we'll do a job on her and we'll be all right. Yeah, and Anthony, I suppose in regards to the um, you know, the Australia build up, I know you've been to uh, the press conference today. What's the general mood, and how are they trying to project themselves ahead of this uh, this opener? Um, well, you know, very very focused, and uh, like it's interesting talking about the pressure that's on them. There is pressure on them. There absolutely is. I mean, when England won the Euros, uh, their first game was against Austria. Now they won the game one nil. But they didn't play well. You know, they did look like a team that had the weight of the world on their shoulders. So they're nightmare scenario because they do believe, uh, you know, just, you know, we've been looking at the papers and getting a sort of gauge of the, the, the temperature over here, what the, the, the media are feeling, the public are feeling. And they absolutely believe that they win this World Cup. Um, But they're they're a little anxious about this opening game. Like if they stumble against Ireland, it would be a massive uh, setback for them. You know, they just want to get this game out of the way, get a win then they're up and running. They really don't want to be in a situation where they have to uh, beat Canada in the last game. They have Canada in the last game. We have Canada uh, in our second game in Perth, and then we come back to Brisbane to play uh, Nigeria. So, you know, we, we were out at a, a presser today with Claire Hunt and uh, Alana Kennedy. You know, Alana uh, would know the Irish players very well, played in, in the Women's Super League. Um, you know, they, they were Claire Hunt spoke about they're expecting Ireland to be physical, you know, they're, they're not paying too much attention to what happened last Friday in terms of you know this 
you know, there's any suggestion that, oh, well, Ireland don't like the physical side of things because they walked off the pitch, you know, I, I, they're not having that at all. I think rightly so, like Ireland are not going to back down. And what I would say is Australia are a very strong, quick team. You know, you wouldn't doubt that Ireland are going to put it up to them and give it absolutely everything they have, but they are such a dynamic team with so much pace uh, and quality in that side. Um the wide areas alone, like Courtney Vine, uh, Rasso, Ellie Carpenter, Ford can drift out there. Um, Mary Farrell came off the bench, you know, to score the goal. She probably won't start on, on Thursday, but she's asked, what, what a player to bring on. Uh, Cooney Cross, Gory in the middle of the park. Like they're, they're very good. They're a very good side. Um, that being said, they can be got out and they do give up chances. Uh, it's just with Ireland, they probably won't make too many quality chances. It, if you look at Ireland against the USA twice and the France game, um, they actually could have taken the lead in all three of those games. They could have taken the lead in all three. The first half's performance in all three games were excellent. The problem is that in the second half, they did fade. And when they went one down, they, it was, they couldn't really muster a response. So first goal, first goal, Raph. I mean, I'm stating the obvious. That's that's every game of football. But I think the first game, particularly on Thursdays, absolutely. if Ireland can get it, they have a chance. They have a real chance. Uh, but if they, if they give up an early goal first, it's going to be difficult. You know, this, this is a good a good Aussie team. Yeah. And uh, Megan, I know you've been uh, you've written the first of your columns that were published on RT.ie. The first one was um, Saturday. And I, I guess you were, I suppose, outlining, and I suppose, the human side when it comes to World Cup selection, how difficult it is for players that, you know, don't make it um, into the final squad. And in your case, you know, injury being the uh, the main factor. And I suppose it came back to I, I suppose the quote that came back to me was um, sport can be cutthroat at times. And I don't think people appreciate that side of it unless they are in it. So it's obviously something that it's difficult to deal with. But um, as you've said, um, you know, you're going to be Ireland's biggest fan. Yeah, definitely. I think in in saying that line, I, I mean, as in obviously from the outside, I can, I'm, of course, very, very in a privileged position to be able to play football and to, to have it as my job. And to even say that football is my job is obviously an incredible thing for me. So I am a, a very, you know, I am very thankful for that. But at the same time, it can look from the outside that it's a luxury. It's the money, you're playing football, you're traveling the world, it's easy, it's it's this and that. But the mental side of it is actually a lot tougher than a lot of people see or think. Um, and until you're in tough situations such as not being selected for the World Cup or an injury or having to retire or like there's loads of factors that go into footballers' careers and uh, being let go by a club, signing for a new club. Like there's so much that probably people think oh it's a fantastic opportunity but they actually don't think of the behind the scenes things like how it affects the player how it affects their family and friends because obviously like for the last two weeks I've not really spoke much about things I've been quite you know I've internalized a lot of stuff and shutting off from social media shut off from people family friends I, I wasn't able to to come to the realization of what had happened but also to relive it every day was really hard for me so I literally had to switch off and it's not just the effect that it has on players, but also, you know, the other side of the game as well is like your family and friends get, get affected by it. And obviously they don't want to see you in the situation that you're in, but they feel almost helpless. Like they couldn't do anything for me. You know, they couldn't change the situation or the outcome. Um, But yeah, I think it's, it's so important that people realize like that it's not as easy as everybody seems or thinks. Um, 
and you know there's a lot of people working behind the scenes to, to help myself personally but also a lot of other players psychologically um in that position yeah for sure but it was a really brilliant piece and obviously looking forward to the the next one that comes uh, along the line as well um but uh that is it for uh today's um podcast we're gonna as i said it's gonna be a daily podcast so it's gonna be another one uh tomorrow so megan thanks a million for your time and anthony i think it's a uh, good night is it i think at this stage I, I don't think good i don't think good evening really suffices anymore <laughs> i know you're you're in a completely different time zone to what i am right now this yeah we were it's it's quarter to nine I I should have my arm full of watches at this stage it's, it's <laughs> your head to be all over the place but yeah it's thanks for that. it's quarter to nine over here uh pitch black at six o'clock because we're in the Australian winter and actually a little bit chilly but um you know have you adjusted yet Joe's only getting there Megan only getting there right. um we even you know we we're chatting to some of the players I think even the some of the players like are only maybe they're longer than us but it it takes a bit. Of, a bit of time, you know, to uh, to fully come around, but um, I think we're we're starting to get there now. Yeah, until you have to do the Sydney to Perth and then Perth back to yeah. the East Coast again, <laughs> yeah. and then the same problems. But anyway, Anthony, best of luck, and uh, Megan, thanks for your time as well. Thank you both. Likes, shares, comments, and tweets. Cadbury sponsors RTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast.